Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Attachments podcast. My name is Jessica De Silva and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and an attachment coach helping adults end their unhealthy dating patterns and create stronger, secure relationships. I created this podcast as a platform to answer your questions and dive deeper into different aspects of each attachment style. I also share personal insights and stories in order to help you make sense of what you are experiencing. So please listen with an open heart and an open mind. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast episode on attachment styles in relationship with other attachment styles. So this topic has actually been very highly requested. Um, So I wanted to dedicate an entire episode on what it's like for the attachment styles to be in a relationship with another attachment style and kind of give you guys some steps to mitigate the challenges that you might face within these relationship dynamics. Um, And remember that this topic really does pertain to all of us as we are all operating from our own attachment blueprints. Now just keep in mind um, that because we all fall on a spectrum, Uh, We, you know, when it comes to our attachment styles, we can have aspects of two, three, or all four of the attachment styles. And depending on certain people you date um, or significant life events you experienced, uh, different circumstances can trigger certain aspects of your attachment. So just know that, you know, our attachment orientation is very multidimensional, which is awesome because it really speaks to how unique each of us are. Um, And although attachment theory can give us some general, you know, insights into how we all experience love, our personal experiences is what ultimately sets us apart from each other in this regard. So in other words, we are fundamentally different. However, attachment theory can give us that general knowledge into someone's attachment style, which can really serve a wonderful purpose as it helps us get a sense of what we might be experiencing um, and what others may be experiencing in a relationship dynamic. So let's get into it. So we're going to start with the classic combination of the anxious attachment in relationship with the dismissive avoidant attachment. Um, And I say this is the, the classic duo because it's often these two opposites that are attracted to each other and also the duo that you often see in therapy. So what are the challenges for this specific duo and what can they do to mitigate these problems? So it's important to note that the anxious attachment style and the dismissive avoidant attachment style have very polarized needs, which tends to create a lot of the conflict that they experience in a relationship. So dismissive avoidance often need a lot of space to self-soothe, to feel independent, to feel in control of their environment, um, to recharge. There's this strong sense of individuality that they really, really try to preserve, whereas anxious attachments really value closeness right? They really need connection, intimacy, that quality time spent together. Uh, Anxious attachments generally tend to be very open and comfortable with talking about deeper topics that require vulnerability and confronting certain difficult emotions, um, whereas avoidance aren't as quick 
to dive into their past or um, be completely transparent with what they're experiencing. Uh, this is because people who have more of that avoidant attachment style aren't so connected to their emotional world. So, you know, when difficult emotions arise during relationship conflict, they avoid they dismiss, they deflect, they deny, they get defensive, they change the subject. Um, hence the name dismissive avoidant attachment style. Um, and they do this not because they don't care or they don't love you, but because they don't know how to deal with those types of emotions and they don't know how to regulate themselves in the presence of another. Um, they were never really modeled or taught that kind of behavior. So normally they associate that kind of vulnerability with pain and discomfort. Um, so they just kind of avoid it at all costs. So with these differences, right, what happens is that the anxious attachment style assumes the dismissive avoidant just doesn't care, right, or it doesn't love them. Um, and so they get really insecure. And then the dismissive avoidant assumes that they're a disappointment, that they're inadequate, or that they're, you know, just not good enough for their anxiously attached partner's expectations and needs. So you can see how this type of conflict feels very defeating and kind of like a dead end road for both of these people, um, both of these attachment styles in this relationship. So some steps to mitigate these issues would be to obviously, you know, learn about each other's attachment style. Um, this is going to help relieve some of the expectations you have of each other. It helps you see how you both view love very differently and therefore have different needs in that regard. Um, this will also help with creating realistic expectations of uh, each other so that there's less disappointment. Um, also, practice communicating your needs um, and get to the root of the need so that you can eliminate coming up with assumptions. So instead of, you know, I just need space, you can say something along the lines of, um, you know, I need space because I want to work on my project um, or because I want to recharge from a long day at work or because I want to focus on blank, whatever it is. Um, and the anxious attachment style, right, when you need more connection, for instance, you can say something like, I want to spend quality time with you to feel more connected, to, to feel more reassured, to feel more validated. Um, so communicating to each other about your underlying needs uh, eliminates a lot of the assumptions, right, and the personalizations that we can quickly jump into. Um, this is really helpful because insecure attachment styles often jump to the worst case scenarios. Uh, so the more information that you can provide to each other, the better. Um, now on to anxious attachments and fearful avoidant attachment in a relationship. So generally speaking, there's a powerful connection when this duo gets together because the fearful avoidant has, um, you know, both anxious and avoidant tendencies. They have both anxious and avoidant aspects. Um, they have a lot of similar needs and values as the anxious attachment style, such as, you know, that deeper intimacy, that, that emotional connection, that transparency, that closeness. 
So both the anxious and the fearful avoidant can feel very seen, very understood with each other. Um, the problems mostly arise as the relationship progresses and certain commitment fears and relationship anxieties begin to surface. So both the anxious and the fearful avoidant, um, they lack healthy boundaries and therefore they can quickly become codependent and enmeshed within each other. And this codependency is what breeds a lot of the control and the possessiveness and the jealousy and the uh, aggression that they can both experience with each other. Um, so because of these lack of boundaries, this couple often tends to lose themselves in each other, right? Their sense of individuality gets lost. Um, so they project a lot of their expectations onto each other and then become disappointed, right? When that, when their partner doesn't meet those expectations, um, uh, whereas anxious attachments, you know, want to solve relationship conflict in the moment, the fearful avoidant tends to withdraw. Um, and this is where you really start to see the avoidant aspects of the fearful avoidant, um, usually when there is that conflict, um yeah and also they tend to become more distant the fearful avoidance tend to become more distant or go into these you know deactivating strategies when more commitment is involved um or their anxious attached partner requires more of them um, or starts expressing more of their needs so you'll see them go from hot to cold very quickly and unpredictably Okay, fearful avoidance um, also have an attachment wound around betrayal. Uh, and so the more attached they become, the more potential risk for pain is available. So as the relationship progresses, that's when you kind of see more of their inconsistent patterns uh, really start to surface. So some steps to make this duo work would be to, you know, obviously learn about each other's attachment styles and how you both generally experience love. Um, super important to learn about boundaries and how to not only set them for yourself, but also how to respect uh, the boundaries of others and not take it personally. Um, maintain your own individual identities. Very, very important. Make sure you are creating balance in all areas of your life, right? Don't just put your energy into your relationship, but make sure you're maintaining your friendships, your hobbies, um, your passions, your needs. Um, maintaining your sense of self is very, very healthy and necessary for any relationship to thrive and be healthy. Um, also making an effort to heal your attachment wounds and this speaks to all insecure attachment styles right um, so that you can feel more comfortable managing the insecurities when they come up um, when we don't tend to our wounds we continue to sabotage and repeat painful patterns um so now let's see. Okay, so on to dismissive avoidance in relationships with another dismissive avoidant. Um, so usually these relationships, you guys tend to kind of fizzle out um, or it just it's, it's hard to get things started because there's not enough vulnerability to get this momentum going between these two. Um, both can have feelings for one another, but none of them tend to make the move um 
Now, because we all fall on a spectrum, right, when it comes to our attachment style, if you have a predominantly, let's say, secure attachment or anxious or fearful avoidant attachment style with some tendencies of um, the dismissive avoidant attachment, the relationship can actually stick. Um, so if dismissive avoidant is your secondary attachment style, um, it can actually work. It can actually stick. But if you both have a very strong dismissive avoidant attachment style, there just isn't generally enough effort uh, there for both of you guys to stay. It just kind of fizzles out. It just kind of dies out. Um, so you'll often see both of these attachment styles, you know, if it does last a little bit longer, you see them kind of cohabitating together, but without uh, any real, you know, romance or deeper connection there. Um, so some steps to actually make this duo work would be to, you know, learn to become more secure, obviously, learn about your attachment style, um, practice having those difficult conversations, practice being more vulnerable and sharing how you're feeling, right? And that can look like, you know, just sharing your fears, sharing your intentions, sharing your dreams, um, sharing your insecurities, right? Your, your innermost thoughts, um, also challenging your beliefs around love, uh, challenging your beliefs around vulnerability being unsafe, right? Is that really true? Um, and also practice uh, expressing your needs and most importantly, receiving support, learning to ask for support and depend on uh, you know, someone emotionally is a huge piece of your healing. I just wanted to pop in here and invite you to my free online workshop, Four Steps to Kick Off Your Journey from an Anxious to a Secure Attachment Style. This 40-minute free workshop will help you gain a deeper understanding of your anxious attachment style and the science to why it's 100% possible to become more secure. It's going to help you get clear on who your secure self is so that you can start making the shifts you want to see in your life and in your relationships, and it's going to teach you some simple yet powerful powerful tools to begin embodying a secure attachment style immediately. So to claim your spot, you can visit the link in my show notes. And if you have a fearful avoidant attachment style, this workshop is now available for you as well. So make sure you sign up via the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Now on to fearful avoidance in relationship with another fearful avoidant. Okay, so this is like the roller coaster kind of relationship. Um, this has actually been the majority of my relationships. Um, and you can 100% expect consistent ups and downs with this duo um, as both have, you know, just very unpredictable and inconsistent ways of dealing with their insecurities and their anxieties. Um, and although these relationship dynamics can be very, very exciting, they're also extremely frustrating. Um, this duo has very similar needs, right? As both really value deep connection, they value transparency, they value openness and presence and that emotional availability. However, as the relationship progresses, 
Um, usually after the honeymoon phase, it's really when those insecurities really begin to surface. Um, because fearful avoidance have a strong betrayal wound, a lot of their issues stem from a lack of trust in each other. Um, therefore, you see these wounds manifest as, you know, testing each other, making the other jealous to see if they actually care, right? Um, ass assuming the other is lying, being sneaky, um, assuming the other is being deceiving, kind of crossing um, each other's boundaries, uh, a lot of walking on eggshells and using these very indirect ways of getting their needs met, which obviously causes a lot of problems and can even lead to very abusive behaviors, whether that's emotional abuse, uh, verbal abuse, right, physical sexual abuse. Um, usually in, in these combinations, you see a lot of abuse occur. And it's really sad because, um, you know, these behaviors tend to perpetuate the lack of trust that they already feel. Um, they can also deeply empathize with each other, right? The fearful avoidance in relationship, they can really deeply empathize with each other. Um, but they also personalize everything, which makes it really hard to feel safe with each other when both of them are taking everything so personally. Um, this was so, so frustrating in my previous relationships. You could just never get to a solution or really just express yourself or be honest because you were so afraid of hurting the other person's feelings because they just took everything so personally. Um, so having those open conversations, right, can feel really scary. It could feel very, very scary and unsafe. Um, so they fluctuate from moments of complete bliss to moments of complete devastation. And this can often become a toxic cycle that is really, really hard to get out of because you have those beautiful moments, but then when things go down, it's really, really down. And you're just hoping that it, you know, it, it gets better, it gets better, it's get, it gets better, but it's, it's a pattern, right? Those ups and downs is a pattern and we have to believe the patterns. Um, so some steps to make this duo work would be to learn about their attachment style, right? Learn about your attachment style and how you both operate. Work on healing your attachment wounds. Um, communicate proactively and clearly, right? Be direct about what you're experiencing and what you need, as opposed to finding indirect ways of getting your needs met. Um, learn to set boundaries and practice honoring each other's boundaries, you know, create more balance in your life, making sure you break those patterns of codependency, um, learn to manage your emotions so that you can be a better listener and therefore a safe base for each other. Um, communicate, right, rather than assume. Fearful avoidance are so quick to jump to conclusion and assume worst case scenarios. So make sure you practice challenging your stories and the meanings that you are giving to things. And this is for, you know, all insecure attachment styles. If you guys need support, seek support, get the guidance that you need in order to teach you these, these healthy ways of dealing with conflict. Um, now, as for anxious attachments in relationships with an, uh, another anxious attachment style, 
Um, because they both value the same things and generally have similar needs, they can really feel seen and understood with each other. So both, you know, both love that closeness um, and connection and being with each other. So getting their needs met in this way can um, keep their insecurities at bay. Uh, anxious attachments also tend to have more motivation to change and fix problems. So both people in this relationship would be very motivated actually to seek support um, and get that guidance if needed. Uh, similarly, you know, this duo can lose their sense of self within each other, kind of leading to that unhealthy enmeshment. Um, because this uh, couple heavily relies on each other to meet each other's uh, needs, this often leads to codependency. Um, you know, relying so heavily on one person to meet all of your needs can be very dangerous, right? Because what happens if that person doesn't meet the need or changes or leaves? Um, it can leave you feeling very devastated and helpless. So creating that healthy interdependency is huge. Um, also, anxious attachments can be passive about their needs. So instead of stating how they feel or what they want, they may just kind of go along with their partner's needs or neglect their needs in order to kind of keep the peace or make their partner happy or, you know, not disappoint uh, their partner, um, which obviously leads to problems, that kind of self-neglect eventually. Um, I also often find that anxious attachments, um, they aren't as quickly drawn to other anxious attachments. Um, in the beginning, right, they can come off as being too nice or too perfect um, to each other. Um, and this is often because anxious attachments are subconsciously drawn to people or relationships that feel more familiar. And often that's with more of the avoidant type. So when we're actually dating someone who is meeting our relationship needs and treating us so well, um, it can feel like it's too much or not real or even suffocating simply because we're just not used to it. Um, remember, you guys, that our brain is attracted to what's familiar. That's why it's really important to challenge our beliefs on love and to do the work to heal our attachment wounds so that we can experience a different kind of love. Okay, so some steps to make this duo work would be to, again, understand your attachment style and how it impacts intimacy, right? And how you deal with relationship anxiety, remembering that awareness is always the first step towards change. Also, learn to identify your needs and honor them. Uh, most importantly, learn to meet those needs elsewhere, right? Not just heavily relying on your partner to do this, really creating that support system around you. Um, create balance in your life. Find hobbies, passions, right? Spend time with friends. Uh, really create that relationship with yourself. That's huge. Um, also learning to validate yourself. Depend on yourself to meet some of those needs, also setting healthy boundaries, right? Physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, mental boundaries. Um, this is really going to help with preserving your sense of individuality, which is really, really important for that healthy, secure relationship. All right, you guys, 
last one here so now for the secure attachment style um, i'm just going to kind of condense this so for the secure attachment style in relationship with any of the insecure attachment styles so either the anxious or the dismissive avoidant or the fearful avoidant attachment style know that there is a lot of hope for this combination um, research actually indicates that being in a relationship with a secure attachment style is often the catalyst for healing our own attachment wounds because as we were wounded in relationship we can only truly heal within a relationship so secure attachments can change the way we experience love right modeling consistency modeling boundaries modeling effective communication really making you feel seen and feel heard um, they're not really going to take things so personally. Um, they're not going to jump to conclusions. They're often comfortable with sharing their feelings and their insecurities when they arise. Um, they know their needs and they communicate their needs. They're also willing to listen to you, right? They're willing to hold space for you um, and really honor your needs or at least respect your needs. And if you can't, and if they can't meet your needs, they usually don't have a problem communicating that, right? They're not going to get scared. They're not going to withdraw. They're not going to take it personally. They're not going to mean. They're not going to make it mean anything about them. They're just going to communicate to you whether they can or cannot meet your needs, um, and that can feel very, you know, there's a lot of respect in that um, when they can communicate and they can be transparent about those things. So modeling this kind of behavior can be powerful, you guys, in eliciting change within their partner. Um, I know I've mentioned this in prior podcasts, but my uh, anxious and slash fearful avoidant attachment style really started to transform in my relationship to my current partner. So he's predominantly secure with avoidant tendencies. Um, but his consistency, right, his communication style, his reassurance, his validation, his trust, that was really, really huge for me. Um, the fact that I could trust him uh, created a lot of stability within me, thus changing the way that I experience love and the way that I now view love. Um, and if I hadn't been doing the inner work prior to meeting him, I probably wouldn't have given him a shot, to be completely honest. Um, but I knew my, you know, I had some insight into my attachment patterns and I knew that in order to experience something different, I had to do something different. So I'm really glad that I let him into my life. And I hope that this motivates you to try something different if you feel the same. So with that being said, you know, remember that each relationship dynamic can feel and look very different as we all have a primary and a secondary attachment style. Therefore, you know, we may be attracted to specific types of people based on our unique attachment orientations. And even though secure attachments generally have healthy ways of dealing with anxiety and dealing with insecurities, nobody is perfect, you guys. No one is 100% any attachment style, right? We all kind of have aspects of a few of them. Um, so it's it's very possible also that secure attachments become insecurely attached from experiencing their own relationship traumas. 
Um, so just know that our attachment styles are not fixed. They can fluctuate through relationships and people we date and significant life events. All right. Um, okay, you guys. So that is it for today. Thank you for listening and I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your positive ratings if you enjoy this episode and your encouraging comments. It truly, truly encourages me to keep on creating for you guys. And if you're ready to begin embodying your secure self, you can learn more about my digital course, My Secure Self Academy for the Anxious Attachment Style via my website, jessicadesilvacoaching.com or via the link in my show notes. I will catch you guys on the next episode.